Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm a covenant partner here at FPC. Uh, as we celebrate God's faithfulness in our FPC family, we also solidify our confidence in the concrete promises of Jesus Christ. Please join me in responding to the first question of the New City Catechism. What is our only hope in life and in death? That we, we are, are not our own, own but belong body and soul, both, both in life and, and death, death, to God and to our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ. Uh, this morning, our scripture reading reinforces that God is our only hope. God's grace in Christ gives us ground to stand where we can wait on the timing of his promises. As darkness turns to dawn through the rising of the sun, Jesus Christ. Uh, please join me in reading today's passage out loud and then in the call and response. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24 reads, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. All flesh is grass, and all, the beauty, all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, everyone. I add my greetings to those that you have already heard. It is a joy, an honor, and a privilege to gather and worship with you to celebrate God's faithfulness as we even hear of opportunities during this season to share of his faithfulness with our neighbors and loving as we've been loved, sacrificially, generously, and also during this stewardship season where we set our hearts aright by refocusing on the grace of God and, and examining what a right response is with the resources that he's entrusted to us. As we continue this brief look at Lamentations, we're going to sit in the verse uh, that you all just read with Michael. Uh, before we unpack it, I want to ask you a question. What if there is a gift from God through your pain and your problems? Here's what I mean. What if God has a purpose, something good that grows from the fertilizer, the manure of your life? I'm going to ask you as we begin to look at your life in honest assessment. Consider your pain points. Consider your problems and ask yourself, can these really be nutrients in the ecosystem of creating life rather than a nuisance and a source of pain and strife? Now this morning we're going to see how fruitfulness comes from your frustrations that God has a purpose in our pain and in our problems. But first, uh, kids, I want to start by getting your attention because there was a news article headline. It was actually a journal article and this uh, uh, a little inverse science thing. And it was entitled, Why the World Needs More Whale Poop. <laughs> so, kids, I'm sure you're like me and you want to hear why the world needs more whale poop. Believe it or not, it is someone's job to study Whale poop, not only in quality, because who really doesn't want to do that, but also in quantity. 
Now, whales, the largest mammals on earth, the humpback and the blue whale, they actually consume 5 to 30% of their body weight every single day. And then that leaves their body in the form of whale poop. And the most recent study that this article was celebrating was that the ocean is better. It's more blue from whale poo because it recycles the nutrients and actually adds to fruitfulness in the ecosystem of life in the great blue. Do you believe it's true? It is. And what is true in the ecosystem of the ocean is also true in the ecosystem of our lives because we know that we have things in life that are equivalent to what we consider whale poo. And it's actually fertilizer for our faith, for our hope, for our love. And God gives us a purpose, a promise that meets us in the midst of our pain and problems. In centered, most focused, it's on Jesus Christ and his work. And we're going to see how the cross is really the crux of concrete confidence, hope in the Lord, true hope. But here's the problem of our hearts, yours and mine, is that we seek confidence in things of this world that are shifting sand-like realities that might feel good for a moment, but they're swept away with a great tide or tossed around by the wind and the waves of life. We go to idols of our hearts that give us a perceived more immediate gratification or solve a felt need and help us to lick our wounds rather than go to true deep healing. And so as we go to this passage today, I'm going to ask you to pray boldly. I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you see the power, the promise that God has for you in your pain and in your problems. Will you do that? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you humbly as your people. And we ask together, Holy Spirit, please reveal to us the purpose and the promise that is in the pain and the promise of life. Lord, we know you're a living God and we ask that you would meet us freshly and personally this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. There is at least one upside to your pain and problems. There are many, but at least one we're going to study this passage. And that is the opportunity for you and I to name and claim Jesus Christ as our portion. For us to learn what it means for our hearts to hope and to have a handle to hold on to in this broken world. To increase our concrete confidence in Jesus Christ, our Lord now, the book of Lamentations, it teaches us to live in the world with pain and problems in a wholehearted way. That is, having hope in Christ. And the prophet Jeremiah, he preached from Jerusalem. 
when it was in rubbles and ruins, about 586 BC, after the Babylonians had come and conquered the whole land and carried off the first wave of exiles. We see families that had been ripped apart. We see neighbors that had been slaughtered. We see the promise of the presence of God in the temple totally devastated. People like Daniel and Ezekiel had already been carried off. And Ezekiel remained in the rubble. And he writes the book of Lamentations. And the book, as well as a genre of writing in scripture, it helps God's people move from a place of heartbreak to hope. And it offers us a paradigm in how to process and reconcile the suffering that we experience in life and the struggles and the sovereign grace and promises of God. Now the Psalms are full of lament and contrary to popular belief, it's not a French way to say mint. Hey, you want a, you want a mint? <laughs> All I have is a lament. No, that's not it. It was a horrible imitation. When Callan just wags his head in disappointment. Sometimes I get like more seasoned members like wag their head in like disappointed parents. And then other times I get younger folks wag their heads in disappointment. I can't believe he's making more dad jokes. Yeah. All right. Lament is not a French mint. Chris Wright calls it the language that God gives us. As we navigate life in the world where we have unanswered questions and unmentionable sufferings. This book of Lamentations, it actually begins with a question. The first word is how. And in Hebrew, it's the title of the book. We call it Lamentations, but in Hebrew, it's just called how. But it's like this gut-wrenching, agonizing how. And it's carried throughout the book. And it taps into this question that you and I all have. How could this happen? How can God allow this? How can we survive? How can God be good if this is the world we live in? How long can this go on? How can our enemies win? How can we think about our future in the midst of this level of struggle? How can I endure? How can we hope? You see, lamentations, the genre in the book, they lead us to the solid grounds of God's grace where we stand in that place of darkness waiting for dawn to come. And in the book of Lamentations, uh, chapter 5, verses 20 to 21, Jeremiah leads us to that place where we cry out with him from the ruin and rubble of life, Lord, reconcile us to yourself, restore us, that we may be restored. But in this time of life, we have to learn to wait to hope. And here's the truth. Here's the invitation. When we have problems and when we have pain in life, the Lord is our portion. You hear me? That's what this passage teaches us. And we're going to see two things. First, the Lord is our portion. And that portion is a person, a person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, the portion it could refer to the land that is the promised land that was allocated to the Israelites when they crossed the Jordan River into the land of Canaan and, and the land was divided up. It could have been considered your inheritance. 
But more often in the Old Testament, it was actually referred to as the Lord himself. Uh, like, like the Levites, when they came into the land, they did not get a piece of property. And the Lord said through Moses in Deuteronomy 10 and Numbers 18, he said, you will not receive land of a portion because the Lord himself is your portion. And this is a, a, a proclamation that carries throughout the Old Testament, we hear it in the Psalms, Psalm 16, 5, Psalm 119, 57, 142, 5. The Lord is my portion. And Charles Spurgeon, when he reflects on this reality in his devotional morning and evening, I love this. He says this, the Lord is our all-sufficient portion. That is the place where we experience the promises of God. God fills himself, and if God himself is all-sufficient in and of himself, he must then be all-sufficient for all who trust in him. All that we can wish for is found in our divine portion. Our all-sufficient God becomes that place of promise, of refreshment, of redemption, of renewal, of restoration, he is sufficient in himself. In church, I ask you, do you believe he can be sufficient for you? Do you? Okay, I'm glad one of you does. <laughs> Come on, let's wake up. God wants to invite you to trust him. You see, even Jeremiah, in the midst of ruin and rubble, thinking about exiles that had been carried off, a temple that had been destroyed, family that had been ripped apart, neighbors that had been slaughtered, he could still proclaim, the Lord is my portion. I might not have a place, but I've got a person, the Lord himself. I might not see his promises, but I know the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Therefore, the Lord is my portion. He is where I'll stand. In the midst of pain, in the midst of problems, you have presence and promise to give you hope. The portion is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately, God himself, the full embodiment of the steadfast love of the Lord, the, the true measure of the mercy that never ceases. His love came to be broken so that our brokenness could be mended in love and to show love. He died in the place of in, in suffering so that all of us who believe in him can find life in the midst of our suffering. Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us, our portion. But it's more than just the person of Jesus. It's also the promises that are through the work of Jesus. The portion is a person, but it's also a promise to Lord Jesus and his life and his love. The Apostle Paul says it this way, that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. That means that what the enemy intends for evil in Christ, God will turn it for good. That means that in Christ, no one can stand against you. If God is for you in Christ, who or what can stand against you? Answer, no one and nothing. That means the promise of God that he is working all things for the good of his people, and all things means all things, and all things for his glory, then you can trust him in Christ. 
That means the promise that God gives that he's working all things according to the counsel of his will and he's redeeming, renewing, and restoring, that includes everything you're going through. That means that in Christ, he is actually locally present on the throne according to Revelation 21.5 and he proclaims, I am making all things new. These promises are true. In this portion, this is, this is land for you to stand on. It, it's concrete. And it doesn't get carried away by tides or currents or waves. It doesn't get knocked down by storms. When everything else around you is changing, our unchanging God gives you unchanging promises in Jesus Christ. And what do we do with all the pain that we feel in this world? Well, we have to apply the gold of the gospel, my friends. I'm reminded by uh, an artist, Makoto Fujimura. He's a Japanese artist. And he highlights this Japanese art called kintsugi. Now, there should be an image on the screen, but basically this is what it means. Kin means gold. Sugi means mend. And it's to take broken and fractured things and to mend them with gold. But he uses this in the illustration of the Japanese tea ceremony, which is a, it's a heritage. Uh, it's a tradition in Japanese families. So much so that pots and cups and, and vessels and plates, they're handed down from generation to generation. But as they get old or as accidents happen, sometimes these vessels fall and they break. But when things are fractured, they're not considered trash. They're actually mended by artisans. The pieces are gathered and gold is melted and kintsugi mends what is broken. It brings wholeness to what is fractured. It takes shrapnel and it recreates into a vessel that is more valuable generationally than if it had never broken. In fact, in Japanese tea ceremony culture, when you have vessels that are mended in this way, it has more meaning. In the same way, the gold of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his promises, his work, his love, his, per his person, he himself takes what is fractured, what is broken in your life, and what is broken in our world, and though you may not see it, though you may not feel it, he is making all things more beautiful. What sad things are becoming untrue, dead things are becoming alive in Christ. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in your weakness. This is true truth, friends. And what you see dimly now, one day in eternity, it will all be full, and you won't miss it. And lamentation leads us to this land that is the love and the lordship of Jesus Christ, the place where pain on the one hand and promises of God come together, giving us grace in the ground on which we can watch his sovereign grace begin to transform. Jesus and his work and his love, that's the gold. And his work is a doorway of hope for us. But it happens when we choose to believe. When we choose to believe Jesus and his word, that's when healing and hope come. You see, you remember the gospel of Mark? We've been studying it all year, but it's the word of Jesus Christ. His power that makes the paralytic not only receive forgiveness for sin, but also to get up and rise and walk in Mark 2. 
In Mark 5, it's the word of Jesus, the word of the king, who not only drives demons out of the demoniac, but also repurposes him and commissions him to be a vessel of glory to share the gospel of Jesus reigning. It's the presence of Jesus, the word of Jesus that goes with Jairus, that goes with his wife to the house where their daughter had died. It's only the word of Jesus that brings life to this little girl, and she rises up and can serve him. It's the word of Jesus that we choose to believe that takes our, our meager scraps. You remember the story of feeding 5,000 from Mark in our studies. It's the word of Jesus that takes our meager scraps and multiplies them to feed multitudes. It's the word of Jesus that is our hope. It's the word of Jesus that brings healing. It's a person of Jesus that is, the pro, that is the promise in the midst of our problem and our pain. And you say, well, Mitchell, why does the pain remain? And the reason simply that why pain and suffering enter in the, or realities in this world are because of sin, the rebellion and rejection of God. But there's no place where our confidence becomes more concrete than the cross of Jesus Christ. Because that's the place where the root of all the pain and the problems of our world are dealt with and is a place where he demonstrates that he wants to use your pain and your problems for a purpose. It's Jesus Christ who experienced the ultimate pain of rejection, the ultimate pain of being mocked, the ultimate pain of injustice, the ultimate pain of betrayal, the ultimate pain of hanging on an implement of torture to the point of death. So that people who are experiencing pain, people who are going through torture, people who are experiencing injustice can have hope. Jesus himself gives his life as an atonement for sin so that we can find forgiveness, but also he gives victory so that we can begin again. The cross demonstrates how not only God removes the curse that comes from sin, but how he also has the purpose of using pain and suffering for glory. Church, I ask you, do you believe in the cross of Jesus Christ? It is the crux of our concrete hope today, and no other worldview has it. No other worldview can put together pain and promise. No other worldview, no other system of beliefs, no other religion gives you a God who loved you so much that he moved towards pain so that you can receive forgiveness and freedom, the fullness of God's promises. Now, do you understand the cross? Here are some diagnostic questions. Many times when we face pain, we avoid pain. When we have problems, we avoid. This leads to a lot of dysfunctional relationships. If you are an avoider, you may want to examine your heart and whether or not you understand the cross of Jesus Christ. He didn't avoid pain. True love moves towards pain because you believe promise, something greater. Do you medicate your way through pain? We have a culture of permissive alcoholism where somehow we've all considered it okay to, to drink every day. We have a culture that laughs and celebrates at problems like I've got at just watching that next episode that comes on Netflix. So we don't have to feel the pain. We don't have to deal with our problems. Well, maybe when we realize we're medicating, 
We need to examine our hearts to see if we really understand the cross of Jesus Christ. Do you ignore pain? Just flat out ignore it. Just don't drive the neighborhoods with their brokenness. Don't talk to people who, who cause pain and problems. Do you ignore pain? I don't know one doctor in the world that's going to tell you if you're feeling pain in your body, it's okay. Just ignore it. It's going to be all right. No doctor says that. Pain is a symptom of something. And if you want to be healthy, then you figure out what that something is so you can address it. What is true physically, my friends, surely it's true spiritually as well, don't you think? Let's not be people who ignore pain. That leads to greater problems. But the cross of Jesus Christ gives us concrete hope so we can receive from pain the nutrients from the manure of our problems that we can grow in faith, hope, and love and have an ecosystem that's more fruitful, that we might love Christ more fully, that through the fertilizer of frustrations we might serve Christ more faithfully, knowing that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the price our sin deserves. Friends, that means a lot, but at least it means this. The pain and the problems you have right now are not punishment. Jesus took all the punishment for our sin. Somewhere in the midst is promise. And the question that pain and problems ask is this. Are you hearing God's sovereign grace? C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, who wants to read that book? Probably the guy who studies whale poop for a living. He writes this. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It's a megaphone to arouse a deaf world. What is God telling you through your pain, through your problems, through your frustration? How does he want to speak to you? I want to end how we started. I want to ask you to Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. We come to worship so that you can encounter the living God who loves you. You can't fix your problems, but God. And you can trust him. He says, have confidence in me. God wants you to stop licking your wounds and to start experiencing true healing, deep healing, that's hope in Jesus. Your anger and your anxiety that comes from trusting people and places and resources as your portion, God wants to give you freedom by trusting the person, Jesus Christ. He's good. His promises are true. And I'm going to ask that you close your eyes with me as we close in prayer. And I want to ask you, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me to listen to your love. Speak to me promises in the midst of pain, my problems. Someone needs to hear the Lord say, I will never leave you or forsake you. Someone needs to hear the Lord say, I'm making all things new. 
Someone needs to hear the Lord say that birth pains lead to life. Someone needs to hear the spirit of truth. My love will not let you go even when others do. Someone else. God sees you. God hears you. The Lord says, my grace is sufficient. I am the resurrection and the life. Wait. Be patient. Lord, you are our portion. We choose to hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.